In this episode, I'm speaking to Vineet Rai, founder of the Avishkar Group. Vineet started his career as a forester, that is, he studied forest management, and in the late 90s found himself running an organization called Gyan at IIM Ahmedabad. Gyan stands for Grassroots Innovation Augmentation Network. It had been set up to support local grassroots innovations in Gujarat and was one of the early incubators in India. I first met Vineet at IIM Ahmedabad and was so impressed by the success of Gyan that we both decided maybe it was time to set up a similar organization in South India called Vilgro. In setting up Vilgro, we ended up becoming good friends. And as all good friends in the sector, we would debate development all the time. In fact, we still debate development all the time. I wanted to have Vineet on No Cost Extension because he has grown one of the largest and most successful impact investment firms in the world. And in this interview, we both sat down to talk about our journeys. From a shared sense of idealism, we've gone our separate ways. I've worked in philanthropy for the last two decades, while Vineet has become an expert impact investor. But the idealism that stoked us still drives us today. Good morning. Guess no one's on. Hey, Benit. Devil, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you clearly, sir. How are you? Very good, sir. Great. Thank you, Vineet. This is odd because we uh, know each other again as friends, but I've been thinking about the first time we met, and I guess it was years ago, I believe it was 2000, 2001, I was even trying to find the email as well. 1999. It was 99, even better. And I remember it was at the time we were looking to support organizations with scale. The goal was to provide funding and hands-on support to enable groups to sort of create greater impact. And the reason we looked at scale is because really at that time, and to a certain extent now, you know, the issues are just so vast in India and, and globally for that matter, that we thought that that could be a critical aspect of, of what we're able to contribute to the sector and, and sort of providing the funding and hands-on support we felt was also an enabler or an accelerator to allow groups to create greater impact sort of faster. And so with that, I had researched, I guess, different universities and what they were doing since universities are typically the bastions of innovation. There's also a sense of idealism that is also associated with universities. And I think through that, I saw that there was a great initiative under IAM Amdavad that was working with farmers and helping sort of them take innovations to market. And, and I still remember vividly coming to your office for the first time. I don't know if you remember this or not. And saying, you know, what what are you doing? Can you give us more information? And are there ways that we can, you know, partner together? That was, I guess, how our relationship with began. Clearly, from my side, but I think it'd be great to hear from your side on what what you felt. I guess was some of those initial meetings because I think they were definitely critical in building building our friendship for sure. Let me give the context to people. So I was, I think, 28. You must have been 26 or 25 at that time. 24. Uh, 24. <laughs> Even younger. I was actually coming from a classical middle-class Indian background. Uh, never seen money. Uh, always struggled to survive. 
had become a CEO when I was 26. I was running a government of Gujarat uh, organization. So I was reasonably arrogant uh, as well at that time. Uh, young, arrogant. When I looked at you as a 24-year-old, I thought, oh my God, this guy had no clue what he thinks. Uh, that was actually a repeated frame of mind that most of us had at that time. And then we started talking. And of course, you were talking about things that I had little understanding of. I mean, you were talking about accelerator. You were talking about doing something in not-for-profit world. And while I was running a not-for-profit, I used to think like a for-profit guy, even in a not-for-profit setup, because uh, I was not necessarily a quintessential jula wala. I was not necessarily coming from a very not-for-profit background. My first uh, reaction was, hey, there is a guy with money. Let me do whatever it takes to get the money out of him. <laughs> that was my first reaction. I said, he's 24. He has no clue what he's talking about. He's like uh, Santa Claus. <laughs> so why not take anything out? And so, and I think if I remember correctly, you were quite amused because uh, I was very willing to accept all the not so very intelligent ideas that you had <laughs> and willing to work on them. Partly because my entire focus was on the money, <laughs> not on the ideas. So this is how I used to think at that moment and at that point of time. And I, the good thing was that my ego and arrogance did not come in the way of my aspiration to get that money out of you. I mean, I you know remember again meeting you and, and making it very clear. It's not that I uh, myself was the one who who had earned this wealth, who was providing this wealth. I had met some great investors who realized there was a need to sort of provide support, both funding as well as managerial support to help organizations scale and grow. To your point, while I came from a, a very brief banking background, certain things, I guess, even though my background was very brief, there were certain things in that background that I felt was not necessarily adding value to the world. And again, I was very, very young and, and clearly, therefore, idealistic. But I think it was interesting that there were, I guess, inherent flaws that I felt existed in capitalism overall that sort of led me to honestly say, OK, well, let me, you know, join the development sector. I, I think for me, it was there has to be something different. Perhaps on the flip side, and I still remember, I think it was in Erod, both of us getting off the train and, and meeting a, a farmer a well-to-do farmer, but still a farmer. And and I remember I was the one wearing sort of the jola and, and the lungi, and you came sort of with the sports coat and whatnot. And it was just sort of this cross, I would say. Uh, you know, my degree was in finance and accounting, but my passion, I guess, was there's there may be things that I learned there that could be applicable to, to the development sector. And I guess in a similar manner, you were sort of crossing over and saying there are things in forestry that may actually be relevant in, in the for-profit space. Over the next two, three months, as we met multiple times, you stayed in my home, my desire to take money out of you <laughs> actually transformed into a very close friendship. I mean, both of us would not just travel together, but we would stay at each other's homes because we didn't have money for, you know, for hotels and all this other stuff. And so I would sleep on your couch this may have then disenfranchised you, but you may have then realized this damn American doesn't have much money because he sleeps on my couch. <laughs> the other judgment I made on you at that point of time. With so many judgments beneath. <laughs> of course, of course, you have to realize that you were being judged at every moment, every time. Was that I said this guy won't last more than six months. Six months became a year, became two years. We started traveling together. I 
distinctly remember we used to stay in the same room in the hotels which is quite funny for a lot of people now who will hear us <laughs> that we used to live in the same hotel room and the 30 hour train journeys uh that we would also do together uh, and i remember it would be you know mumbai or even amdavad to madras and then we'd have to spend the day in the, and this was madras it wasn't even chennai back then <laughs> we'd spend the full day in the train station and then go to madurai on january 26 2001 a terrible earthquake hit gujarat devastating the entire state especially the small town of buj I happened to be in Madurai at the time watching the TV seeing buildings collapse in Ahmedabad. Venith ended up coming a few hours later on a train, a 40-hour train journey, not realizing what his family had suffered. Venith went back home to Ahmedabad to make sure his family was okay. And a few days later we met up in Bhuj because we wanted to do everything we could to support the rescue and relief efforts. I remember when I walked into the hotel room in Madurai at 12:30 or 2 o'clock. I don't remember. Gujarat earthquake had happened, and I had no clue. And you told me, "Vineet, look at what is happening in Ahmedabad. I don't know how Swati and Yashar. Uh, you should take the next flight back." We were so concerned about our travel expense that I actually decided not to fly back, despite not knowing where my wife and child was in that exceptionally difficult period. and it took me 6 7 hours to find out that they were alive or not but i think it was that connection as well in me learning so much you know about not just your story but you know going out to farms understanding what the rural innovator needed and I, and i remember us discussing even back then on how after one is celebrated with a prize or that they have you know a great innovation the farmers would say but that prize doesn't feed my family after a few months if this innovation is so great how do then i provide economic benefits to my family because i've created this and those are conversations because we stayed in the same room for a couple of years we would have you know every single evening whatever has transpired over last 20 22 years in the way you have evolved and i have evolved a lot of it is partly due to not because we were bright we were smart or we were early in our times but because of some honesty of purpose that both of us carried and that honesty of purpose is probably the distinguishing factor over a long period of time that has let us stay on this and even you know after the gujarat earthquake you know you me and my brother were driving around in your maruti 800 i believe in buj and with the water packets if you remember in the back of the car <laughs> And then again this is the idealism I don't know if we added any value whatsoever but we were hell bent to be where there was an issue and to support I, I, it'd be great if you can talk a little bit about that experience because I think that also shaped you know clearly a lot of our friendship and and like you said maybe even the idealism we we have today as as you remember when the earthquake happened I was actually away and my son and my wife were on the ninth floor of a building which was moving like a tree leaf in a typhoon with great difficulty sometime in the evening i could get through to my sister who told me that she knows that they are actually alive and fine and that the building while our building had cracks but it has not fallen apart and that they are on the road and she implored that i should leave madurai immediately and go but then traveling was so difficult at that point of time that i reached only 40 hours after the earthquake and uh, 
the first thing I did is I told them that, hey, listen, I have to go to Bhuj. So can you guys sit in the train and leave? I had no clue why I was going to Bhuj. But I drove all the way to Bhuj uh, with another student from IMM Dabad. And then uh, you and uh, Nehal joined me uh, in Bhuj where I picked you both. I think Anjar is where I picked you up. There was not much we could do, actually. I think uh, there were lots of people involved. There were lots of not-for-profits involved. There were lots of leadership there. We were the inconsequential guys moving around in that car, giving people water, whatever we could. But it shaped a lot of our understanding as well. Unlike Deval, who actually felt that there was a gap between uh, what capitalism is teaching and how the world is unequal, I did not come from that background. I came from a very classical middle-class background who wanted to find a space under the sun for himself. Inequity, poverty, etc., were not necessarily my, my drivers. I was driven towards some purpose, but uh, what that purpose was unknown to me. And I was a very hard, and I was always more interested in how do you solve the problem rather than the human emotion of it. And my learning in uh, being with Deval was I started getting introduced to the value of the human emotions. However, uh, the emotional learning that I gained from you allowed me to actually be the David within the Goliaths of the capital world <laughs> and continue to be the Lone Ranger in some sense, my fraternity of what is now known as impact investing. Continue to question and challenge uh, when people eulogize the impact of impact investing, which unfortunately is now a misnomer in that sense because uh, impact investing seems to be actually trying to copy investing and better it rather than actually trying to bring investing to impact. Impact investing is not about investing. It is actually about uh, making sure that capital has the capability to create a more equal world. And equity can only be provided if capital does something different from what it has been doing for generations. And what that difference is could be taking higher risk, going into difficult geographies and doing things differently, which would mean that you will continuously be questioned for your returns expectations. And you will have to find arguments and ways to convince people that the returns that you have generated are fair and are worthy for the impact that you have delivered. I think when, you know, you started Avishkad, uh, you know, a couple of years later, and like you, it says, you know, you've said many times before, the term even impact investing didn't exist. It was more about how do you bring capital to organizations and entrepreneurs in areas that typically people won't fund. And the reason I bring this up is because even at least driving force for me to come to, you know, I am Amdavad and then support the creation of Vilgro was around that capital can also play a different role. And, and so it wasn't sort of that I was shunning capitalism completely. I felt there was a role to play. By that time, I had already supported groups like Magic Bus and, and Anjali in West Bengal. You remember Ratnavoli Ray and, you know, dealing with mental health. And we would do these little meets, you know, with all of us. And, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I remember you saying there's a need for this as well. And, and, and I say this just because I, I think when you were setting up or at least the first couple of years, people would say, oh, but do you ask me, I guess, this question? <laughs> are you anti-impact investing because you're looking at philanthropy? It's so ludicrous to say, are you anti-debt or are you anti-equity? It's like, these are forms of capital, but I'd love to get your response to that. And 
honestly, given that you've you know been definitely a leader in this globally in impact investing, do you see that there is a role that philanthropy needs or can and should play, or do you feel like it all can be done by by investors? First and foremost, impact investing is a very small interlude in the whole idea of making a difference to the life of the people and challenging the hegemony of capital, also challenging the inequities of the world. There is very little impact investing can do to replace philanthropy. There's just no way impact investing can replace philanthropy. Impact investing is an exciting tool to probably help philanthropy come out of some of the areas where it is playing right now to go and do what investing cannot ever touch, which is like, for example, how do you deal with malnutrition? How do you deal with female infanticide? I can't create business models for them. But what we can surely do, and which is what we have demonstrated, is you can actually make microfinance become commercial so that philanthropic capital doesn't need to go in creating debt instruments. Philanthropic capital does not need to actually go and try to create expensive instruments of lending. There's no need for philanthropic capital to do it. What philanthropic capital finds very difficult to do is create jobs. Now, there are lots and lots of people who are working with artisans in remote parts of the world using philanthropic capital. Commercial capital can actually far more effectively create a value chain that could create more jobs and more livelihoods and put more money in the hands of the people so that they can actually finance themselves better. But philanthropic capital should be doing what there is no chance for us to do. However, the world of the foundations is right now finding or learning the word. Uh, you can do good and do well. Now, that actually is a very good phrase. It's a very Western phrase, but it also actually shows the level of ignorance that exists across the globe. When they think that you can do good and do well, it is similarly as having your cake and eating it too. You can either eat it or you can have it. You can't do both the things. And I think philanthropic world has to very consciously ask itself that in the excitement of actually emulating the practices of the mainstream capital world, are you actually shunning your responsibilities towards the real cause of philanthropy, the real reason why philanthropy exists? Impact investing, on the other hand, is uh, I wrote two papers actually where I said the whole idea behind impact investing was to challenge the term investing. It was not to challenge the term philanthropy. Unfortunately, impact investing, because it is much easier for impact investing to challenge philanthropy, most of the impact investors are right now debating how can you make CSR money go into impact investing? Well, that's so unfair. I mean, why would impact investor, which was the whole paradigm was that there is $300 trillion of mainstream capital and we will try to bring it, fight for $3 billion. Why? It's just stupid. To me, uh, philanthropy already is very small. It's very inconsequential. Taking away money from philanthropy is the biggest disservice any impact investor can do. So if any impact investor worth his sort listening to this, if you have any shame or any self-respect, you will fight capitalism, not fight philanthropy. You will support philanthropy. In fact, money that you make, you should pass on to philanthropy and try to take away more money from the $300 trillion that exists. And then do not try to become the $300 trillion or their behavior. Do not try to emulate their behavior. Try to emulate the behavior of philanthropy and make the money more be more accountable and responsible.
you know, even with the Vishkar investments, many of them have been, again, maybe not consciously, but you have invested in organizations and entrepreneurs who typically would not access capital. The, the thought process at Avishkar was very simple. I wanted to create jobs where people live, not to actually relocate them to Dharavi and live in penury away from their families. Yeah, I will take back to my own experiences. Why do you separate families? Why do you make villages uh, without any able-bodied person? Why would you do that? And the reason we do this is simply because we have believed that the only way to create jobs is move people to Mumbai and Delhi. And what happened during COVID time when millions of people walked that actually showed you how lopsided and stupid our development paradigm has been. And I wanted to use the power of capital because I learned during my 2000s when we were actually struggling. Uh, you remember Pawan Mehra as well. Pawan was also actually- Yes, yes, time, of course. Uh, now in San Francisco, but Pawan was also there. And Pawan was actually far more emotional and far more closer to you in terms of the emotional quotient towards poverty and inequity than I was. But I think it comes because you guys were coming from slightly different backgrounds than mine. I was always fighting up. So I was, I was always more focused towards myself or my own thinking while you guys were thinking about the society all the time. My learning was that uh, if poor people need to be made rich, and this was my always the question because when I was in the forest, there were so many poor people and almost every poor person wanted to be rich. But when I come to the cities and then I came to IIM Ahmedabad and every person was only discussing their salaries. What I realized was that every Indian wanted to be rich, but collectively the social society hated rich people. I have never come across that kind of a conundrum where personally as an individual, I aspired to be rich. But when it comes come to a collective society, we have thought every rich is a thief. Then I also realized that there was a big celebration of poor. And this I have heard even now. Uh, poor are large hearted. Poor are very giving. Poor are actually very good. So there was a celebration of poverty. And then poor all wanted to be rich. And then there was a massive distrust or hate towards rich. Now, how do you deal with this kind of a very strange uh, conflict? So I actually framed my theory around saying, all poor want to be rich. And I said, how do you make people rich? And then with your interactions, with interaction with Pawan and others, I realized to become rich, you have to have some element of business in your life. Now, I came from a job background. I had never seen business. So I started understanding businesses and I realized the business is all about capital and talent. So you need money and you need to have somebody who can convert that money into a business that actually generates capital. And that's how the whole Avishkar story started. Again, the definition of rich is very important here. To me, a person is rich when you can get two square meals a day, when you have a roof over your head, you can children send your children to education and you can make choices to what you eat and how you live. And I think Avishka's aim and ambition has been to somehow find more entrepreneurs who are able to create jobs, livelihoods, or reduce risk and vulnerabilities in the life of people who are coming from this very low income strata. And if you are able to do it at a significant scale, then you would be able to provide that additional layer of equity. Because after a point of time, I have realized Equity is actually has to be internalized. It's not an external person. You have to internalize that I'm equal. And that comes from self-confidence. And that self-confidence comes when your basic needs are met. 
So if you look at uh, the investments we have made, first investor in UP, first investor in Bihar, first in Jharkhand, first in Orissa, first in North Sumatra, first in, in Bangladesh, we have done all kinds of investments. And we have gone to the remotest part of Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, and Indonesia, in addition to very difficult and remote parts of India. But I also believe that when I invest in those entrepreneurs, I would behave like a hardcore venture capitalist. So the objective was not to pamper the entrepreneur, but to actually make the entrepreneur, support the entrepreneur and help him be successful. And so therefore, Avishkar is also not seen as the most entrepreneur loving investor because we are hard on valuation, we cut down people's salary. What we are looking at is people who are quintessentially interested in the benefit of the society while being an instrument of capital and business. Again, I think it's important to understand, especially like you were saying in the world today, which has become so divisive on various aspects that uh, there are many ways and pathways to, to get here. <laughs> the pathways that the two of us took, at least, like you were saying, very clear aspects of what limitations as well as strengths like everyone else does. Uh, your joy comes from the joy of the people. And uh, my joy comes from actually going after a problem and solving and you are actually mixing the solver problem solving equation capability of other people, including you did this with me also when you came and met me. It was not that you were actually trying to invest in me, you were trying to goad me to think about how do you actually scale, create. And in some sense, uh, probably the first time the idea of scale triggered my mind was when we started talking about it. Because before that, I was so intent in solving the problem that I was not really thinking about scale, I was not really thinking about replication. Without that introduction, without that introduction to the human side of it, I would have probably become a venture capital investor rather than an impact investor. And I think, uh, therefore, uh, as a collective, our learnings come from what we absorb from each other. I think, uh, frankly, uh, we are all an outcome of who we intrinsically are as human beings. And if we are able to actually go in, explore and find who we are. Each one of us bring a very different skill and capability to the table and a very different way of thinking. And we are not an outcome of who we were. We are an outcome of how we were influenced by who we interacted with. No, and, and you talk about confusion and I completely agree. In fact, at Dasra, we, I, I say many times, if you think you know the answer, then you should leave because that means, yeah, there is no silver bullet to any of this. And we always need to, I guess, go down a line that there has to be some internal conflict at least. Otherwise, we're not taking the risks we need to. And clearly the issues that, like you said, individuals face in this country and globally on sort of that broad definition uh, of poverty, which is, you know, the two meals a day, the house, the healthcare, the family structure. I mean, there are many, many things. And I remember David Gibbons, who, you know, did the first replication of Grameen in India. I was fortunate, I guess, to volunteer with them in 99, 2000. And the only reason I bring it up is I remember he at that time was coming up with this housing index, which brought in, you know, various metrics, because again, there was this view that if you can repay loans, that means that you have actually attained some sort of economic growth. And Vijay Mahajan, again, is a mentor of yours and somebody we reached out to, to actually join the Vilgro board, if you remember way back then. <laughs> You know, he was one of the first uh, leaders in the microfinance industry to, you know, with basics, I guess, to take the call and say, actually, no, this this is a false metric and narrative that we're all placing. And 
I guess to your earlier point, in essence, there was a little bit maybe even of subsidies to those philanthropists where they were then getting returns off the back of, uh, in this case, women, you know, who, who were not getting those returns. And, and I know you talked also about capitalism. And, and, and again, this is something that I guess confusion that I've also dealt with is to a certain extent, and not always, but to a certain extent, capitalism or wealth is created when one has sort of singular, at times even monopolistic views. Some of those individuals end up starting very large foundations using similar views, you know, when it comes to philanthropy, or even in that sense, impact investing. There are many sort of established private equity firms who also set up and run a fund which is focusing on impact investing. And it'd be good to get your take on, you know, what does that mean? Or is it old wine in a new bottle? <laughs> because I think that's important to, to recognize, at least speak about. Impact investing is a lot of new converts, people who actually do not have the history, but they read the definition. So when you read the definition of impact investing, it says, you should have an intent to make impact and you should make a disclosure that you are making impact using this capital. Your intent to make impact, there is no machine that can actually do that. <laughs> so, so the Western world came up with a very interesting thought process to it that, oh, you will measure your impact. Now, how do you measure impact? I completely agree to the Western concept that you should measure your impact. But can you show me one company and you can pick up any Reliance, Tata, JP Morgan, which does not make impact under any impact metric. Therefore, it is very easy to become an impact investor today. I personally stood for saying impact investing is the right form of investing. This is what I stand for. Impact investing is the right form of investing. There is a new term called impact investing should be mainstream. What does it mean? In my view, it means that impact investing is a flawed child. It needs to be straightened to be actually made like mainstream. Our passion or our argument was that if we can wean away a significant amount of $300 trillion from greed is good narrative to a narrative that's sustainable is resilient, that you should be able to create a more equal world using this capital, then you would be able to have a much greater outcome for the world as usual, maybe not as an investor for yourself. And that's for, therefore, the distinct difference between impact investing is investing, is investing is all about LP's money, and impact investing is all about societal benefit hmm, while protecting the LP's money and generating a return over it. Now, I will tell you as an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur, I chose to be in this space, and I see the battle being lost. I am not the guy who instinctively is born to throw in the toggles. So I started asking myself, uh, should I become a revolutionary and start abusing everybody on the stage? Uh, that's actually one way to go. The second is to actually play their own game and win it. Because our, if impact investing is to change the world and if our belief is the world has to be changed, my becoming a revolutionary and a martyr does not really make a difference. I need to go inside the system and change it and challenge it. So what I am doing is I am going and meeting all the large firms and telling them, listen, guys, here are the companies that we are creating. We are creating them in the manner that you would actually. There is transparency, there is corporate governance, there is real impact. They are actually creating jobs and livelihoods where people live. 
and these companies require more capital than companies which are actually evolving in San Francisco and other ecosystems. Remember that nobody understands the future. Nobody can actually predict the future. So if I can actually parcel and present our companies as those companies that will be successful in the future, there is no reason for these guys to not invest in my companies. The other metric that people have asked, the large impact investors seek, has the commercial venture capital gone into these companies? Because they are not satisfied with impact investors uh, because small impact investors are still inferior to the large impact investors. But commercial venture capital is seen as a proud association with large impact investors. So the other thing that we have to do is, especially in India, which has been possible, is to convince the mainstream venture capital guys who have nothing against impact. They don't feel anything wrong with impact. They want to participate in something which will become large and extraordinary, like microfinance did. Microfinance was able to be presented to early stage people like Sequoia and others that this is a very scalable business model, of course, very impactful. And even despite all the criticism in the world, microfinance does deliver 30% people. So if it, you lend microfinance to 100 people, 30 people do go get out of poverty. However, there is no poverty alleviation program I have come across, which is a 30% success rate. So I still believe microfinance is a very powerful tool. And because of the participation of the commercial capital, the cost of microfinance has dropped very significantly. The philanthropic microfinance institution were lending at 50% interest rate. Philanthropic guys. Today, India's most commercial guys are lending at 19%, 20%. That's a massive drop that has been achieved by commercialization. And I think that's really what I am trying to do. That instead of going becoming a revolutionary and martyr, try to actually influence people from inside. Can you speak a little bit about the progressive impact crowd? Um, and, and maybe we've already alluded to that, but, but I think that's helpful. And I think I just also want to reiterate, this is a conversation amongst friends. This is not a conversation that represents Avishkar per se, that represents Dasra even, but it's a conversation among friends that, you know, we, it's okay to be confused. And we are still very confused. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, there, was, there was actually a presentation I made after that. Somebody comes from the commercial world, stood up and said, I came here thinking you are an impact investor. I thought this group stands for impact. Not a single word on impact from you guys. What kind of an impact investor are you? So what I thought is that if the world actually is so obsessed with the word impact, and that Vineet does not use the word impact so many times, then I'm trying to count to 10 so that I can use the word impact 10 times. I can only be considered an impact investor if I word, use the word impact 10 times and I write the word impact behind my back. Making impact has really no relevance. That's what I was told. My first retort in that meeting was, have you seen our work? Have you visited what we have done? Before you make this comment, we have not said much about impact. But then I also realized that you are living in this world and this progressive crowd is uh, not looking for my work. It's not looking for the 25 or 21 years what I've done. They are looking of the, they are counting the world. They are going by what I have said and that we are probably not saying enough of what they want to hear. Like for example, every impact report has uh, smiling photographs of poor children looking into the camera 
or poor women looking into the camera or poor men looking into the camera for that matter i have always hated that depiction of poverty as happy poverty a poor person cannot be happy a rich person can be happy but not necessarily be happy uh, and that's why i have never eulogized or celebrated poverty because i genuinely believe having lived with a lot of poor people that not a single poor want to be there is a massive debate i had with venkat uh, give foundation on on this debate that poor are large hearted i said poor are not large hearted they are human and they are as good and as bad as we are they are large hearted because they depend on the community to survive so their daily requirements means that they have to survive depend on somebody else and therefore their mechanism the society operates in a communal manner very different from rich who try to actually have bigger and bigger houses where only two or three people live so can you give me i i guess two examples one of a company you invested in in your mind sort of you know how did that sort of affect the community and then also an example of uh an investment you couldn't make but i think that will also give people a sense of you know what you mean at least by impact investing let me give you an example of a company called rangasutra the founder of rangasutra is a very inspirational woman shumita ghosh her husband was equally inspirational he and his wife have set up this institution called urmul in rajasthan which works with very poor artisans and try to protect the artisanal activity Shumita was uh, struggling to raise capital and met me in 2006 I think she wanted me to give her some money and uh, she had a producer company which she had set up uh, I told her that I cannot give money to producer company I can give you a money if you can set up a company instead of a producer company and she said you guys keep coming up with new ideas new thought process I have 50000 women to deal with and I'm not going to actually be just dancing to your tunes and she really gave me a good dressing down <laughs> and left but i think after 3 months uh, later she called me and said okay would you really give us money if i actually set up a company i said i will and uh, we gave her 25 lakhs this is long back and, uh, and sorry just uh, convert that in dollar terms so around uh, 25 lakhs will be roughly around $50000 in 2005 6 in today's world it will be $30000 so $3000 you wrote it on exchange rate she was her turnover was also $50000 so i gave her $50000 we took some 25% stake in that company and she brought 8000 women as 74% or 75% shareholder and with our help this company then uh, crossed 1.5 million dollar revenue in 3 years time shumita was able to find some buyers who actually bought my 25% stake gave us a 34% internal rate of return between 2006 and 2010 so i made an investment 8000 women became owners of this company company went from 1.5 million dollars uh, from 50000 dollars 30000 50000 dollars to 1.5 million dollars in revenue created jobs created livelihoods made impact women live in the remotest part of india pakistan border in bikaner exceptional impact everything was mind blowing and then i learned that in the kind of investments i make i have to figure create significant scale and significant profits in the companies and so i chose not to repeat this investment i showcased it and i said case studies of great success and why avishkar will never do it <laughs> and uh, a lot of my investors completely fell off their chair mm-hmm. saying how what kind of a stupid man you are you're actually showing a showcase study and then you're saying you will not do it because i said i have now understood 
what you want and you do not want me to do this so i was actually trying to in some sense challenge uh, but the reality was that my investors did not want me to do it they all wanted Let's me to explain that a little bit more so what happens uh, they will in a impact investing theory it's a limited life fund where you give money so as you become larger if i would have given instead of $50000 half a million dollar to shubhita she would have never been able to return the money to me ever i would have never got so my dpi would have been zero it is simply because there would have been nobody willing to buy who was interested in impact so remember people who want to do core impact have small amounts of money so that exit that i got was because there were individuals who were willing to buy no big fund would have come and bought this company because this company was not worthy of a listing creating an exit would require you to be having a strategic acquisition so somebody should buy you you should be able to list it and these two things were ruled out in this case specifically until unless i was willing to wait 30 years it's not that shubhita and others could not have scaled there but the time horizon is not fixated into a venture capital model of 10 years fund so therefore it doesn't fit in so while the impact was massive the returns were good but as my fund became 50 million and 75 million this was not a great story to invest in and i'm just telling you why it is very complicated and why very disillusioning also to be in my position and because i have lower emotional quotient i could survive that emotional hurt why were you emotionally hurt just there was what happens is we are all here because we want to see the change the smile on the face of that women is precious it's incomparable now i had to make a choice between being a successful impact investor versus seeing the impact on the faces of the poor the choice one was to be close to the poor and feel and live their passion and but i have chosen the path of leverage where i will use my skill to attract more and more capital so that more livelihoods can be created the moment i get close to the idea of impact my leverage goes down and down and down so the ability to mobilize billions of dollars which is something that i have over a period of time learned i can do i would have lost and most of my time 90% of my time goes in convincing the rich man whom i don't want to interact with convincing them to give me money or the watchdogs of the rich man people who actually are the institutional capital manager who are essentially looking for tick marks tvpi moic dpi <laughs> IRR so they are actually looking at that that's not a conversation that's even healthy forget about happiness it's not even healthy <laughs> now i have chosen to actually spend most of my life doing that conversation and walked away from the life of looking real change on the ground with my own eyes and making that difference and uh, that's the emotional hurt but that consequence um, i bore and i accepted that uh, in my mind in 2008 and 9 and since then my focus has been how much money have i mobilized uh, how many entrepreneurs i have supported and then when i write about our impact uh, and i don't think so there is any other impact investor who does it we claim our impact only as the people we supported that is the entrepreneur we supported i do not take any claim for the impact that the entrepreneurs make so when we write our impact report we actually say this is attributed to our entrepreneur so when the carbon sequestration is done this is because of arant you know jobs and livelihoods created because of arant you know i have to give you another example so let please me, no that's exactly what i was going to ask uh, another example was uh, 
I had a colleague, Ajay Maniar, and uh, he had joined me in 2011-12, and he said, Vineet, I am not able to, he came from Citibank, so he said, Vineet, I am not able to figure out how to find an entrepreneur who is making impact. I said, so if you drive around or if you travel around, what do you see? You see, I see a lot of muck and dirt and filth. So I said, okay, so then you see it as an eyesore? He said, yes. And I said, it's also a health hazard. Devnar, you have such a big thing, Gazipur in Delhi. So I said, so Ajay, would you be willing to travel with me and let's actually meet every entrepreneur who's trying to convert waste into wealth. Uh, but we will have some boundary condition. And one of the boundary condition is that the entrepreneur cannot sell the waste or cleaning activity to the government. Why was this? Many reasons. So you, you see outside there are trucks moving around cleaning Mumbai. That's called tipping fees. It's also called in our language, lifting and shifting. So you lift the waste and shift the waste somewhere else. You are not really solving the problem. You're just moving the problem. And we were looking for somebody who can be private, who can scale and become a billion dollar company and who creates waste to wealth. So finally, we met across two friends, three friends in Ahmedabad. They used to go and work with rag pickers. Rag pickers in India, for those who don't know, are the people who are the poorest of the poorest of the poorest. This is what we call the entry level job when a poor migrates from the village to the city but are a very important part of the value chain of recycling of waste. So we come across these two young guys, or three guys who are actually trying to do this, but in a very sophisticated and a very ethical manner. So in our excitement, because we spent almost a year searching for them, we gave them half a million dollars. Now, if you are an entrepreneur, you get half a million dollars while your turnover was $2,000. Uh, what will you do? You will actually get excited. Uh, the easiest thing in the world of waste is convert cash into waste. So these guys converted a large part of the money that we give them into quickly into waste. So instead of the waste lying outside and the budget moved into a yard that they have procured. They then figured out that converting waste into wealth is a much more difficult task than converting wealth into waste. So I called the entrepreneurs and I said, can you actually figure out a way to go to 100 tons? So their first reaction was not possible. We are struggling to go to two tons a day. <laughs> but then they came back and they said, we have to rethink the whole thing. We need optical sorters, which is a million dollars, etc. So after burning half a million, can you give us two more million dollars? <laughs> so that my investors went completely ballistic that you just give half a million dollars. It's a stupid business. In any case, it doesn't sound like a smart business. Uh, long story short, as an impact investor, we said our job is to take risks. We are mandated to take risks. So we took the risk. I will cut to the chase today. This company today is actually, and this is 2021. We are roughly by March, be above 1,000 tons a day. We are India's largest waste segregating mechanized company. We have created livelihoods that taken away the risk of the life of these people. We are creating wealth from the waste and we have been able to do this all in seven to six to seven years. And what an amazing story. Our internal rate of return on this investment is in 50s of percentages. I actually believe this might be a first waste unicorn from India. And to us, this is a quintessential story of impact at scale we have been trying to achieve. Both stories are very inspirational. If you visit any of these two places, they are completely mind-boggling. But the idea of impact investing is to go and take this risk and create this uh, amazing company. We, one of my colleagues is on this session today. Uh, Shipra has been with Dasra uh, for some time now, and she actually has a question for you, Vineet. Thank you, Vineet. It was really nice to hear your conversation. 
so my question is that as a students of uh, business or management you know graduates from premier b schools in india and abroad uh, what would drive india's youth to seek a career in impact investment versus you know the traditional corporate finance sector so i normally discourage people to get into impact investing or investing partly because uh, youth should go and experience on the ground what is happening so i would rather encourage you to join a not for profit or join a startup to first understand what is happening so the word impact investing has really no meaning until unless you are able to understand and relate to the impact devil was able to because of all the stories that we talked about i was able to because i spent a significant amount of time in the forest and the people uh, until unless you understand what is impact and you identify who you are within that uh you will not understand the choices you are making the other thing that i would encourage you to look at is uh, try to understand the meaning of greed uh, now business schools do not actually teach you how to manage greed they teach you management they teach you greed but they do not teach you how to manage your greed if you are coming from any management school you would actually know that most of the people are worried about what their salary is the very few people actually will not think about their salaries uh and the higher the salary the more proud your family is and you are right uh what does it mean what does that greed that's actually what is called greed the more you get the more you want and you will be continuously in the chase of uh, having more for you and then at some point of time uh, when you have actually done all that you would want to give back uh, that's the amazing part of it <laughs> so you spend all your productive life chasing greed and then suddenly you start preaching against greed when you have become old enough to not be really able to contribute so between deval and me the two things that you will find in common is that we did not actually go that route we chose make our choices of making a contribution when we were not rich and we never had aspirations to be rich at that point of time if you can learn to make that choice then all these careers all these questions will become i actually these are moot points in your thought process they're irrelevant impact investing is irrelevant it's just a slogan i think we're done we're done i think we are good job anita good job thanks for listening vinith rai runs the avishkar group we've added links and show notes to this episode and a lot more information on the great work that avishkar has done on our website dasra.org forward slash nce. Don't forget to subscribe to No Cost Extension wherever you get your podcast and tell a friend about the show. Until next time, stay safe. <laughs>